21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. May I borrow your question actually from LinkedIn's about section? Which team will perform better? A team that can work brilliantly together or a team of brilliant assholes? <laughs> Definitely a team that can, that can work brilliantly together. Yeah, I've, uh, I've worked with, uh, with both kinds of teams in the past. Uh, or even teams that are mixed. Uh, and consistently, the best teams that I've ever worked on uh, were, were actually not necessarily the most brilliant individual contributors on the team. It was, uh, it was when those teams were actually working together and firing on all cylinders together uh, that we ended up having the best outcomes. It's not just about that raw intelligence or that raw problem-solving ability. Uh, it's about being able to work together towards a common goal uh, and fill in each other's weaknesses uh, and boost each other's strengths. So how would you define asshole? So for example, from time to time, there are, there are some occasions when I mention Gulp Q12 tests or engagement tests terrible results all over the place. States are actually the best at, at still, or at the moment still. But how would you define assholes? So engagement, probably low engagement. An asshole, uh, in, uh, in this context anyway, uh, is, uh, is somebody who, uh, who does not work well with others. Um, somebody who is uh, sort of abrasive uh, to other uh, to other people does not respect each other's you know other people's opinions uh, thinks that their opinion is the best uh, whether or not it's actually you know uh, proved out by the evidence um, and uh, you know they these these people who are are uh, brilliant assholes some people refer to them as like uh, you know the hero archetype uh, as well the kind of person like just, just kind of come in and save the day on their own um, and so these these are the kinds of people who who are like independently, generally brilliant, uh, right? They can they can definitely solve problems on their own, uh, but uh, they have a ton of problems when it comes to uh, you know clear communication, um, communicating their priorities, understanding the team's priorities, aligning with the rest of the team, um, and so what what I mean by asshole there is really just the the kind of person who does not work well with others. Why why they still get uh, get the job? So they, they are capable of doing the job by themselves? Yes. So, so generally speaking, I actually, I, I tend not to hire people who fall into that, uh, that archetype. Um, but, but people do, people do get hired uh, this way. And it's, and it's generally because these people are, are, are usually pretty good at the technical parts of the job. Um, right. Uh, and so, uh, because they're they're so good at that uh, that side, they can usually convince uh, you know, convince a team that they can come in and be productive really really quickly. And generally speaking, they actually usually are. Uh, they usually come in and they start kicking ass. Uh, but you start realizing that they're actually making more problems than they're fixing. Uh, you know, a few a few weeks in, a few months in, uh, and then you've got a problem to deal with. So, is there a, a small asshole in all of us? 
Yes, absolutely. I've been I've been that asshole before, um, <laughs> right? I uh, sometimes you know sometimes we've uh, you know we've just uh, we 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 decide to stick to our guns because we're we're feeling defensive, uh, or because uh, sometimes we just feel like we're right, uh, and uh, you know that can that can manifest in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, uh, if you if you go that direction, uh, you you know you, you're basically hurting your your team and hurting your your chances in your career as well. So, uh, like I said, I've I've done it myself. Um, I think there's uh, there's been a few times where I've been like, no, this is this is the way to go. I don't care what you guys think. Uh, you know, this is this is how it's going to happen. I'm just going to do it myself. Um, you know, get this done uh, right, uh, and then you get it done, and you go check the results, and maybe maybe that particular thing actually worked. But then you look at all the second and third order effects of all those decisions I just made, uh, and it actually made everybody else's life worse, um, right? Um, so I try really, really hard to think about not just what am what am I going to achieve by doing this thing, uh, but what are the actual second and third order effects of that? Meaning, what are the uh, you know what are the side effects of of everything that I'm working on, and how will it affect everybody else on my team? How will it affect my investors? How will it affect my customer affect my customers? Um, and, you know, really try to try to make decisions based on, on, you know, the whole picture there, not just that one problem I'm trying to solve. Leaders, for some reasons, still try to have a few assholes in their system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you if you got somebody who is uh, who is obviously making more more like doing more damage to the team than they are you know outputting, um, then it's it's time to make that uh, that tough choice uh, and let them go. Um, because uh, you know the the more you've got that sort of disruptive force on your team, uh, the the harder and harder it, it's going to be for your other top performers. Uh, to do their job well, um, and it, you know, interacting with this person uh, all the time is going to just make it super, super not fun uh, to be at work. Um, and so, all your top performers are going to look at that and they're going to be like, "Wow, management here actually just keeps this guy around, even though he's obviously bad for everybody here." Uh, so, like, management doesn't care about me anymore, right? That become that starts to become this sort of like narrative that happens on the teams. Um, so you have to act fast. Uh, when, you, when as soon as you realize something like this is going on, uh, you, you you've got to act fast and and cut that out of the team as, as fast as possible. Um, now, ideally, you can identify that kind of behavior early on, uh, and you can start, uh, you know, at, at first just like letting them know that that is not the kind of behavior that you that you want. Um, and second, you know, I'll start coaching them towards the behavior that you do want. Um, now. Not everybody's going to be coachable in that uh, in that sense, um, and that's where you have to start making those hard decisions. But ideally, you you can identify this you know early on. Just like all of us have little assholes inside of us, um, you know the people who are actually like fitting that asshole. Uh, sort of uh, uh, archetype, they've got really productive, good team members inside of them as well. Um, you, your job as a leader is to go find that person within within everybody, 
uh, and nurture that person uh, to become sort of the main way that they present themselves to the team. Um, that can be different for everybody, right? Everybody's got different reasons for being, uh, the, for acting the way that they do. Um, and it's your job as a, as a leader to go find out what that specific reason is for that specific uh, employee uh, and help them figure out how to navigate that. Um, it's a lot of squishy psychological stuff, but it's, uh, it's you know, that's the job. Unfortunately, you have a very effective process systems that can help reduce friction in team workflows. If you can share a little bit more about that. Definitely. Um, so uh, a few things on that front. Um, one, uh, I, I, everything that I, I think about in, uh, in a product-based business, uh, a little bit less in a, in a service-based business, but um, is, uh, is what I call the three Ps. Uh, so that is people, process, and product. So generally speaking, uh, your end goal is to build a really great product for your customers. Uh, in order to do that, you've got to have the right people in place and the right processes in place to help get those people to build the right product for the customer, right? So it's the people who build the process who build the, that builds the product, um, right? Um, so the process itself is actually where I spend most of my time thinking about uh, and iterating on. Um, because that is, uh, that is how you get teams to work well together. Um, and your process is going to be very different depending on what you're building, right? Every product is the end result of some unique process. Um, now there are some like off the shelf processes like, uh, like scrum and, uh, waterfall and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, but even people who, who practice those, there's not one single team that has this exact same process as any other team in the world. Um, and so generally speaking, uh, I am focused very much on that, that process uh, for part um, because that is how I help my people understand what product to build and how to build it. So uh, part of my process, uh, as far as uh, this goes, is not just about the sort of like factory of outputting a, a, a product here, right? Part of this is also building a company that builds the product. Um, in order to do that, You've got to be able to like coach people in the right way. You've got to you've got to spend time with your with your people. You've got to hire the right people. You've got to let go of, uh, of the wrong people, um, and so that's why I focus so much on that process. That process for me is is not just about getting the work done, but it's also about nurturing the right things in the team. Um, and so what I do for that is uh, without fail, I do uh, with everybody that directly reports to me. Uh, I have a, a weekly at least thirty minute one on one. Uh, with with all of my direct reports, um, and for my skip levels, uh, I actually do. I, I actually meet with them about once a month uh, at this point. Uh, for also uh, usually about a forty five minute meeting uh, for those ones. Um, this is my number one way to uh, to understand basically where everybody's heads at. Um, so um, that skip level one is actually super important because it helps me. Uh, it helps me understand what the day to day looks like for the you know for the team members down there. Uh, and then also helps me understand what the uh, what my direct report, who is their manager, uh, needs to do uh, in order to improve their skills. Um, so this is my sort of my my sort of cadence of check in uh, with with everybody. Obviously, I'm chatting with everybody every day too, uh, but this is my sort of like one time to focus specifically on that one person uh, and help them, uh, you know, shape their behaviors, shape their processes uh, to have the output that we're looking for.
Um, so generally speaking, that can range from, uh, you know, with one employee, I might be talking to them about, uh, you know, getting a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit more organized uh, around their tasks, you know, tracking time and things like that. Another one, it might be like, all right, let's go talk. Let's talk a little bit more about your interpersonal communication skills um, and, uh, you know, kind of coach them in, uh, in understanding how to communicate with each other. Um, so it really depends on the, you know, the individual that I'm talking to, um, what, you know, what we're focusing on uh, to, to improve there. Um, so like I said, it's people, process, and product. Uh, you got to hire the right people, fire the wrong people, coach the, the right people towards the right process. Uh, and then that inevitably just sort of takes care of itself over there. There's a, there's a few different uh, things here, but basically, have you, have you read the book, uh, The Score Takes Care of Itself? Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, very, very similar to that, uh, that thinking there. I'm focused much more on the people side so that they can focus on building the right thing. What I like regarding your model is that you are covering the context as well. So the inclusive environment. It's not just the, the people, the team, their interaction, document flow, information flow, etc. But it's the, the context as well. What strategies can managers use to create an inclusive environment, as you call it, on their teams? Uh, definitely. So uh, first, the first things you've got to do is you have to understand what the purpose of your team is, right? What, what is the actual uh, reason for your team's existence? Um, and that could be, you know, at, a, at an entrepreneur level, that's like, why, why are you building this company, right? Why are you building this whole thing? Um, but even from like a, a line manager perspective, like if you're just a, an engineering manager somewhere, uh, you should still be looking at that and, uh, and saying like, okay, why, like, what is, what is, what is the purpose of this team? Why are we here? Um, and then everything flows from that. Uh, right. So you've got to then understand, okay, what context does my team need, uh, in order to make the right decisions? And that is, it's your job to go out and find that context. Um, notice I didn't say that it was your job to make the right decisions, uh, I said that it was your team's job to make the right decisions. Um, I view the manager's job as actually more of a context provider than anything else, um, that and a coach. Um, so what they do is they, they say, here's our purpose, here's our goal, here's all the context that I can share from all the other parts of the company, from our customers, from our investors, from wherever. Uh, and I trust you team members who I have coached towards this uh, to come up with the right solutions for these problems that we're facing. Um, and that is key, actually. What you want is the person closest to the problem to be the one to solve it. Uh, you don't want like the CEO making all of the choices for the entire company, right? Um, so in order to do that though, you've got to actually build a team that feels psychologically safe, um, right? Uh, and because, if you're if you've got a team who's not who's not feeling safe, uh, then what you, what happens is everybody looks to you to make decisions, and it turns into this sort of like factory worker feel, right? Where you're just like, I'm going to make this decision, you're going to do this thing, and then it's just this loop that keeps happening. Um, whereas if you get that psychological safety in there, as soon as you say, I think we should do this, somebody else says, Actually, I think we should do this other thing, and then you look at that and you're like, Oh wow, that was great. This is way better than this, the decision that I was going to make. Um, and then that starts to, to sort of snowball, uh, other people on the team start seeing that, oh, wow, they actually had this awesome idea and they got to run with it. It was awesome. Let's keep going. Um, and so everybody on the team starts to, starts to sort of perform that way. 
Um, and then eventually that basically gets to the point where the team is sort of taking care of itself. It's uh, it's figuring out like, okay, here's our next objective. Let's, let's tackle that. Uh, and you start building this really awesome uh, sort of uh, coworker feel uh, for it. And you end up, uh, you know, being able to, to sort of build those, uh, those inclusive uh, environments. Um, the biggest key here though, uh, is, is, is sort of fostering that safety. And there's a few things you can do to do that. Um, so one, um, top-down management tends to be kind of the enemy of this, um, because like I said, it turns people, it kind of shuts off that higher level thinking, uh, for people. Um, and so start feeling a little bit more like drones and they stop talking to each other. They stop sort of being a team, um, so first thing you have to do is actually foster teamwork. You got to make sure that people are working together. Um, second is building trust. Not just trust with you, but trust with each other. Um, and trust is difficult to build, especially for uh, for remote or distributed companies. Um, more and more companies these days are becoming remote and distributed. Um, and that is uh, that is actually one of the bigger challenges um, because when you're in, in an office, and you've got a team put together, you're sitting there, you're, you know, back to back every day, you smell each other, uh, you know, you've got all of these, uh, these sort of like cues that are telling you like, we're in this together, um, right? And it's so much easier for you to build that, uh, that sort of cohesive, trusty team that way. Um, when you're remote, it's a lot easier to fall into, I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, we're gonna meet like once or twice a week to, to kind of put this whole thing together. Um, I trust you to get your stuff done. I trust me to get my stuff done. Um, but, you know, we're not really thinking about this as like a, we are getting our stuff done. Um, so with remote, you have to be even more intentional. Um, you've got to make sure that you are giving people space to uh, talk about their social lives, uh, you know, to, to get to know each other as people, not just as faces on a screen. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think that that is actually the, the biggest key is, you're not necessarily looking for like to build like long lasting friendships on these teams, right? Like that's not the point of a company, um, but you are looking to build a highly trusting environment. And in order to do that, you have to see each other as people, not just as cogs in a machine. So top down management uh, versus team trust. Is there anything yep. else? Trust important? building. Um, and then uh, the, the capacity or rather the uh, acceptance of failure, I think is, is key. Um, you know, in order, in order for us to learn, in fact, if, if you take a step back and you just think that what is, what is the point of a team, right? A team is, uh, the point of the team is to have some sort of an output, uh, that, you know, improves the business somehow. Um, and so generally speaking, if you're looking at one of these teams, uh, you, you want to make sure that your output is, uh, it, that, that you're learning from that output, right? Um, and sometimes your output is, uh, is like, you know, Hey, success. We just launched this new, this new feature. It's doing great. Um, awesome. What can we learn from that? But at the same time, you might launch a new feature and it might, you know, just like crash, right. It might not be, it might not be what your customers want at all. Um, it might fail. That's okay. That's actually a really awesome learning opportunity. Um, what that means is you just eliminated one thing, uh, one experiment uh, that you could try, uh, to improve things. Um, and oftentimes you can learn more from failure than you can from success. Um, so one thing that I try to do with all of my teams uh, is uh, is really encourage people to try, uh, even though they fail. And celebrate failures just as much as you're celebrating uh, wins.
We talked a little bit about what it takes to uh, to sort of coach and manage, uh, you know, an individual uh, towards better team teamwork uh, abilities and, and away from those sort of asshole-ish tendencies. Um, but when you're building a team, it's not just about the each individual, uh, you know, on the team. It's about the team as a whole. Um, and so. Uh, part of, of building a really great team is being able to zoom out and see the forest for the trees. Doing that is actually really hard, especially if your only interaction is that sort of one-on-one -on -one that you're having with your with your team members. Um, and when you're uh, when you're in these these sort of larger team uh, sets, uh, you you really do have to understand how all of this feedback that you're getting from your from your team members uh, sort of combines together uh, to to show you sort of where the problem areas are, are on the team and what you what your team needs you to focus on. Um, that can be really, really difficult, especially the higher up you get, right? The more uh, the more removed you are from the actual individual contributors on the team, the harder and harder it is for you to understand what their work experience looks like. And this is why you actually start seeing teams run, uh, you know, like weekly micro engagement surveys, uh, like team team engagement surveys, uh, or like quarterly em employee engagement surveys and things like that. Now, generally speaking, that's a big review process. You've got to go through and do these these crazy, uh, you know, things there. You, you answer like 50 or 60 multiple choice questions. Um, that then takes weeks to analyze. Uh, and then after, you know, you've run a few week process there to, to get this, you don't, you, you've got a, a, an okay idea of what your team is, is saying to you. Um, now, that analysis side is actually really tough if you are asking open-ended questions. If you're asking things like, how can we make the, make working on this team better for you? Uh, or what what is the biggest benefit you get out of, uh, you know, working on this team? If you ask those sort of open-ended questions, that gets really, really tough to uh, to manage at scale. Um, and so that's actually one of the one of the reasons we built uh, we built Viable uh, was to help teams uh, pull in all of that data uh, and then analyze it uh, quickly so that they can take action on it and they can actually make their teams more inclusive. Uh, they can make their teams gel better together and have better output. We've been building this, uh, you know, this product up for the last uh, three years. We support both the uh, the employee engagement use case as well as actually customer feedback if you need to improve your product. Um, and uh, you know, we've iterated on this. We failed a lot over the last three years. We've learned from those failures. Uh, you know, I've I've been an asshole. Everybody on my team's been an asshole at least once. Uh, and we've but we've worked together to really gel uh, and, and build this build this thing together. Um, and in doing so, we've been we've been successful. Uh, you know, we've been. Uh, starting, we just hit that inflection point to where we're, we're starting to really grow the business itself. Um, and in order to do so, uh, we've raised we've raised some money over the years, um, nine million to date. Uh, our latest one was uh, was a five million dollar seed round uh, from Streamline Ventures back in uh, in January February of, uh, of 2022. Um, and we are uh, on the path to Series A uh, this year. If you're looking for better ways of understanding your cu your customer or in employee feedback, uh, then go to askviable.com uh, and uh, mention that uh, that you heard it on this podcast, and uh, 
I would be happy to walk you through a, a 30 minute demo of the product uh, and dig in on your specific use cases to help you build the team and the product uh, that you really want to build. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.